0: Welcome back to the Hex Trinkers podcast. It's episode 5. I'm joined, and I'm joined by Oak. What's up? And Chef. Hey. No Eric today. Man down. He fell into the void. But uh, it is what it is. We are the Hex Trinkers, and we're a long-time playgroup during the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours today. Another exciting topic for you. Uh, we're, uh, we're all about the alternative formats recently. We're going to dive into Commander's little brother, Brawl. Boys, happy Brawl Days! It's December. Hanukkah starts in two days. As of recording, this probably has already started. Uh, by the time that this goes live, uh, Christmas is obviously coming, at, obviously coming at the end of this month. There's Kwanzaa. There's Boxing Day. All your favorite holidays. But our personal favorite is the Brawl Days. Chev, what what is Brawl? Well, Brawl is a variant of Commander where
1: you start with twenty five life and a sixty card deck that follows standard rotation rules. Um, I think it came out around the time of Dominaria, uh, which I believe we have an article on the site that goes more in depth into the history of Brawl and some of the nuances. You know, to, to summarize, uh, 25 life, commander,
0: 60 card deck, and it follows rotation rules. I think another important thing is that your commander can also be a planeswalker. Once again, oh, obviously, yeah. standard you know, That major. sounds like a pretty solid thing to include. Yeah, I mean, we are going to be talking about a few of those later on, so it might be important. Brawl is seeing primarily most of its traffic through Arena, which is Wizards' newest client. They really are supporting Brawl on there, which is great. It's free to play, the client as well as Brawl in general. So it's really easy to get into Brawl. And I would say that uh, one of the nice things about Brawl is that it's not as solved and it's a lower power level in general than traditional commander edh whatever you want to call it so you can play a lot more a much wider array of power levels in terms of your cards especially since we're dealing with just standard cards they're not uh, exactly the staples that you might find when you're looking to brew something up and going on like edh rec Uh, would you guys agree with that i would agree and disagree from
1: the pool of possible options that exist for brawl commanders there are a lot more that can compete at that top tier but because it is the the smaller card pool you're really stuck with what Wizards has kind of decided was the power levels of the certain um, colors at this point in time meaning green is going to be powerful because it has ramp cultivate was just reprinted all these things but like white at least when you're playing commander has options similar to sorts of plowshares or path to exile red has chaos warp And all these things that kind of help these colors along to get to the same level as the colors that are kind of pushed today. uh, And you don't have access to those anymore. So I would say, while it's not as solved and there are more options on the table, the colors or commanders that have the support of what is considered good and in standard right now kind of run away with it. Yeah, and I'd just like to point out again that this
2: is a singleton format, so it's a lot harder to build consistent or just really consistent, like, oppressive decks in the meta. Um, If you want to run four Wrath of Gods, you have to run four Wrath of Gods with different names. And so uh, decks that are built around strategies that some might consider busted um, can't really exist unless they specifically revolve around how a legendary creature is busted, since your, your deck sort of has to revolve around your commander.
0: I slightly disagree with you, Chev, but I think you guys both kind of crystallized that point that one of the big things in this format is that synergy is key, so if there's some weird thing that you like to maybe do in Commander or otherwise, and it's not something that Wizards has sort of seeded at least somewhat into the sets that are in standard, um, you know, anywhere between, what is it, like five and eight sets that will have it uh, in standard at any one time. If it's not within one of those sets, you probably aren't going to be able to do it. But like you're saying, I think that you could take most of the legendary creatures, and we are having a much larger influx of legendary creatures over the past uh, few years, especially. Like you said, starting with Dominaria was when they really started pushing just a lot of legendary creatures all the time. Uh, Because we have so many legendary creatures, I feel like you can take most of those and build a pretty reasonable deck, one that will win, not necessarily all the time, but you will be able to play well, you'll be able to feel competitive, and you'll be able to do some cool things. Uh, It just, you don't have 25 years of legendary creatures to find that super niche effect that you might want.
2: Speaking of which, this this literally just came to mind, but uh, a a while back, I believe, while we were visiting Julian at school, we did a brawl draft
1: in Dominaria, and that was pretty interesting. It was half Dominaria, half, like, Core 19 or Core 20 or something, because we couldn't find enough packs in this random Maryland Target to have uh, six packs of Dominaria, but but you're right, it was a totally sweet idea, especially thinking of it when we did the Commander Legends draft uh, just a couple weeks ago. It was definitely a really cool format. I remember not as much support, but that was also because we kind of tried to drill a, a round peg into a square hole. That's true. And so that could be a story for another time, but I just figured <laughs> I'd bring it up. <laughs> that was a good one. Who... Who won that? Was that was like a Oh, that was me. That was yeah, it was you with the Knights deck, right? That one legendary who cared about Knights. Yep, I I had a busted commander.
0: I was going to say it was it was not me because my my commander was bad. <laughs> It was like generic Selesnya, I care that you have creatures. Oh, Shauna? Yeah, 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 yeah. New Sisay, basically. Eric would have loved it, but he's not here, so we get to dunk on it. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is an important point, though, Chev. We we're, we are going to be talking primarily about Brawl on Arena. That's because that's the easiest and safest way to play right now. But Brawl is a format that you can play in paper. Hopefully, LGSs will exist again soon, and you can maybe go to Friday Night Magic and grab some people and get, get a pod or just... Uh, Play with your friends if you're looking for something to spice up your your EDH nights. Speaking of Arena, though, over the past few days uh, and just in general, I think Brawl is a majority of what we play. Let's talk about the metagame, what we're seeing, what we're playing, and what people might expect if they are going to get back into or start getting into for the first time uh, this format. One of the ones that I've been noticing a lot, uh, especially since it just came out in Zendikar Rising in the fall a few months ago, is Philath. So Phylath is a six-mana elemental red-green, uh, so Gruul. He's a 5-5, five, five, and he says when he comes in, you get a number of zero one one plant creature tokens equal to the number of basic lands you control, which is important because sometimes you don't always have basic lands, but uh, it should be noted that for Brawl, you're going to have a lot more basic lands than your average commander deck, of course. But yeah, so you get those many um, when you enters, and then landfall because landfall once again that's kind of Zendikar's bread and butter. Landfall, you get to put four plus one plus one counters on a plant that you control. So ideally, you play Phyllath, and then you immediately drop a land, or maybe even like an Evolving Wilds, and you get two triggers, and you get a, a large plant or two for your troubles as well. I've been seeing that in the queue. Julian, only. I would
1: expect you to see that quite a few times, considering you do play it.
0: Well, Chev, <laughs> uh, you're right. You're right, I do have a Phylath deck. Uh, I like it a lot. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about our personal decks, but I have been seeing it a lot mm. on the other side of the table. Um, I'm not surprised. There's a lot of good green and red cards. Uh, people who have been playing Standard, you know this. And also Landfall has been a prominent mechanic in Zendikar and also just sort of ramping has been the name of the game yep. recently in Standard. So that, of course, transitioned into tools that you can use for Brawl. And Phylath has a... Similar sort of compatriot, uh, a Gruel compatriot, uh, which is Rada, uh, Warlord of Keld. Is that the title? That sounds like one of the Radas. I'm not sure if that's the current. Three Rada. mana Rada, um, which is one of the decks that Chev plays. It does kind of a similar thing to Philath, right, Chev? You, you just want to do a lot of green, red, big things?
1: Yeah. Um, so,
0: a conditional first strike uh, when
1: it's your turn. Super useful ability. You can play the top card off your library if it's a land. Uh, and the the big thing, um, as opposed to benefiting off lands with something like landfall and triggers, instead you have this six mana ability where Rada gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is equal to the number of lands you control. So you get a couple mana dorks out there, uh, enough lands. Maybe you can trigger it twice in a turn um, and just make Rada this big beefy monster, uh, hopefully giving it trample with, I think one of the gods gives everyone Trample. Or no, Garrick's Uprising gives creatures you control Trample. and Effects like that.
0: I think Nylea does Nylia, as well. Yeah. I think new Nylea does. does. Yeah.
1: So any of those effects to hopefully get through and smash with Rada. The version that I play also has Phylath in the 59. Uh, along with all the other kinds of like red and green stuff that we've seen recently so you know but we'll we'll jump into more of
0: those staples later 59 doesn't uh, roll off the tongue as well as 99 no now.
1: i i like i like having something else to say though it, it feels i don't know maybe i'm reading into it too much but i think it's fun to be like yeah you know the 59 but that could just be me i've been seeing a lot of black though between the uh the commanders that have been up there which i guess makes sense because we've seen a lot of good removal and then with the reprint of grim tutor into standard with uh, m21 uh, it's it's given support to uh strategies like ashiok and liliana that show up pretty high on the ladder those two generally revolve around some sort of resource deprivation liliana with discard and ashiok just mills you and creates creatures that mill you and as soon as you see that on the other side at least for me I take a deep sigh and maybe take a break to go refill a drink or something. Or my finger accidentally clicks the concede button, which, you know, can't be helped sometimes.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and list off uh, another deck that I believe Chev has a copy of, which we'll get into more later. Um, But I feel like I tend to see Kinan, the Bonder Prodigy, on the ladder quite a bit. There are so many things I just hate about this card and the deck that it runs in general. We've talked about this a lot on our previous podcasts, but I think especially Julian brings this up a lot. Uh, But the sort of power creep that's been seeping its way into blue and green, this deck kind of just embodies that. It is a big, dumb ramp deck that cheats things into play. And the worst thing is that some of the players are actually now getting smarter. they'll, They'll... Accumulate a lot more mana before playing Kinnan, mm. and then, even if Kinnan dies instantly, as soon as he hits the battlefield, which I tend to remove him as soon <laughs> as I see him, uh, since he's only got two toughness, uh, you can still tap a bunch of mana, or, or, or sorry, tap all, all of your non-land permanents for double mana, and possibly even activate uh, Kinnan's you know, activated ability, which is just, it's just rough.
1: Uh, you see a couple things that we're, we're going to jump into a little bit on. You know, I, I agree that there's a wider group of legendary creatures you can kind of pick from. Unfortunately, Julian has you believe that it's this wondrous world and you can pick whoever you want and create a pretty decent deck. I would disagree and say, you know, you need someone who's going to affect the battlefield immediately. Uh, otherwise, they're kind of DOA. Um, so, but, but by all means, you know, prove me wrong, but Kinnan does this thing where, you know, it comes down for two mana you can tap anything for more mana as soon as it's played but also the fact that its ability is doesn't require tapping or anything like that it's just mana so the second it hits you can use its ability as long as it's not countered and so we see you know the the, the people that come in and affect the board are the ones that are going to stick around
0: once again agree and disagree i agree that affecting the board is always a good idea in this format i think that there are other ways that you can quote unquote affect the board i think certain sorts of control are actually like very viable in this i mean ashiok is currently the number one in terms of metagame on the uh, mtg goldfish page and that deck basically plays all of the good removal a little bit of ham disruption uh, a couple of counter spells and then ashiok herself once they actually land ashiok they basically just take care of everything that you're doing, and then land Ashiok, uncontested usually. And then Ashiok can just kind of tick up or bounce your stuff and just kind of provide a bit of tempo and basically almost lock you out of the game. I think that's a very powerful deck, and I don't think that's a deck, like you're saying, where it is, quote-unquote, hitting the board immediately. I would just
1: argue that, you know, Ashiok does affect the board as soon as it hits. You can activate any of the abilities as soon as it comes down. So you're at least getting something... The turn it's played which was the main point i was making of a commander that instantly has an effect available and doesn't need to wait a full turn for a tap effect like hana's ships navigator who we tried to build a, a brawl deck around uh more towards the beginning and just really wasn't as powerful as a layla who uh one of the brawl legends from eldraine who falls into a similar sort of artifact enchantment synergy but is instantly performing getting you value from the second it touches down and doesn't need a full turn cycle so I'm, I'm not saying that control strategies aren't viable. I think they certainly are. When we see Ashiok, Liliana, especially cruel control variants, uh, Kroxa's been creeping up a little bit to just have you discarding from turn two, um, which is definitely not super fun to play against. But like you know, Kroxa and everything else, the second it hits, something happens and you continue. Um, so that, that was it more. You need a, a commander that is instantly affecting the game. Um, I think the only main one I see that doesn't is Rada, and that's just because the shell of green-red is so strong to provide ample support with other big creatures that you can wait until you have the mana to boost her.
0: Okay, that's a fair enough point. I I agree with you that you can't really have a quote-unquote do-nothing commander. I think we're lucky enough that basically all of the ones that would see play or that you would want to play do that. Another thing I wanted to bring up is we are talking a lot about decks that have green in them or decks that want to ramp, and those are powerful, but I think that there's actually enough of a discrepancy in this. It's not like Commander where you just get to a million mana and then you win. I think there's actually a lot of decks that can kind of go on the more uh aggro to mid range and they don't need necessarily that ramp to really compete. I think one of uh one of the casts in general's personal favorite is Torbrand. I have a Torbrand deck, I know Oak has a Torbrand deck. You wanna you wanna tell us a little bit about that, bad boy?
2: Yeah, Torbrand's great and just like you guys were saying, he is You wanna uh, talk about him? Yeah. Yeah, Torbrand's great. great. Um uh Torbrand affects the board or he can definitely affect the board as soon as he hits. Um, especially if you just play a bunch of like small pingers right beforehand. Some people like to go the cavalcade yeah, cavalcade of calamity uh, style, but even without that, it's really easy to just get a couple creatures out, drop Torbrand, and then all of a sudden your creatures are hitting For so much more damage. In case you don't know what Torbren does, he basically just makes all of your red sources deal two extra damage. So this means creatures, other permanents like enchantments, and burn spells, essentially. Uh, Oh, Planeswalkers too. But he is a pretty good example of an aggro strategy working in the brawl format where you don't really ramp much. You pretty much play small creatures, you play commander who makes them a lot stronger and then you're just attacking the whole time so i love to see it
1: yeah ramp ramp is good but i guess one of the the big benefits of brawl that we touched on a little bit is because it is the standard card pool you're limited by whatever's currently in standard and right now we are seeing a a bit of a boon of ramp since zendikar rising just came out so we have the new Harrow variant, we have Cultivate, we have a few creatures from Ikoria that ramp, we have Solemn, and a couple others, but we don't have the breadth that a green uh, commander deck can really lean on with everything from Nature's Lore to Three Visits to uh, Explosive Vegetation, all those things. Um, You you can't double up on a lot of these these effects. You have like one or two, um, and even a, a ramp deck per se is only going to be pushing two or three lands above the curve until, you know, the end game when something uh, scary happens.
2: Yeah, and not only green ramp, but green also does lack a little bit in the payoff department. There's no tooth and nail. There's no um, uh, whatever the green Praetor was. Uh, I forgot his name. Uh, but, yeah, it, there's there's not as much on the high end for green. No Terastodon, no uh, Crater of Behemoth. It's, uh, it's a little bit harder, but it's not
0: impossible. I would, I would disagree with that. I think green has plenty of uh, things. Uh, Ashaya is a very, very dumb magic card. <laughs> the fact that it is huge, it turns all of your creatures into mana dorks. And also, there have been so many times when I've been like, I would like to cast this removal spell, especially if it's like an O-ring effect, uh, You know, an enchantment that comes down in Exiles. Most of those say non-land. So <laughs> now you just cannot hit those sort of things. Also, as someone who has... Lost two and one with Thorn Mammoth yeah. many, many times, which is the seven mana green elephant from Eldrain that everyone forgets. But uh whenever it or another creature enters the battlefield, you can have it fight target creature. Oftentimes if they have a bunch of small things or even just some utility things, you know, you can be fighting like three things in a turn and just picking them off. It is an incredibly powerful card. And um one that I would recommend crafting if you don't have one just because it's so uh so powerful. But I, I think Green has a lot, a lot on the top end, but they they're, you can manage them. Before I forget, um, this does bring up the good point of since Eldraine did
1: have its Brawl decks that came out when they tried to revitalize the format of Brawl uh, when Eldraine dropped last year or the year before, um, and they came out with these five sort of like commanders that uh, for each of the decks, but a couple staples. So you know, there's a Command Tower you can play that's legal in Brawl, an Arcane Signet. But you won't open those in packs, uh, so you need to craft them. And they are super good. And something like Thorn Mammoth, just like Julian, it had been played against me a couple times to the point of death, uh, realizing how powerful it was. And I was thinking, okay, I got to have this. And that is a card from one of the Brawl decks. It's not from Eldraine proper. There's no way you could possibly open it. Um, and you need to just, like, be on the lookout for those things or see that they exist so you can craft them.
2: Uh, just one important distinction I'd like to make there, though, is that Command Tower and Arcane Signet are both commons, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Command Tower at least is. So, um, or a Storm Mammoth is probably a rare, isn't it? It's a rare,
1: yeah, it's a rare. Yeah. yeah. So two of so, them are, um, you should have them, and one is, like, if you're playing green, you should probably still have it, but it's a larger right, barrier right. to entry.
0: Speaking of barriers to entry, and we'll circle back around to this at the end, but... Because this is one 60-card format, there's not 25 years worth of magic to go through, and because you only need one of each card, uh, it's easier to get a full-fledged deck. You know what I mean? Just through playing generically, you can get wild cards and stuff. You'll open cards and packs. And then also, like we were saying, there are so many commons and uncommons that you will just have or you will just have a million uh, uncommon common wild cards to craft that it's not as uh, prohibitive as if say purchasing a cdh deck or something like that you know what i mean whatever your equivalent that you want to compare it to is but i do want to circle back around talking more about sort of what's in the metagame and i think that's a, a good point that you brought up chev those uh those pre-constructed eldering brawl decks because a few of those commanders are actually pretty powerful and prominent decks i would say the one i want to want talk about is a uh, Tulane Teller of Tales which is a personal favorite of Eric's it's two and Bant which is white green and blue for a two four two five something like that the stats don't matter the stats really don't matter <laughs> it basically says um whenever yeah so whenever you cast a creature spell cast not even ETB so it could be, it countered. Could be countered right um which there's a reasonable amount of counter counter magic mm-hmm. being played in the format whenever you cast a creature spell draw a card boom, easy. You're already replacing yourself. And you get to put a land from your hand onto the battlefield if you want. Uh, this is a very powerful commander. I'm going to say it. It's not a smart commander. It's not a uh, unique commander. It's just good. But um, I mean, there is a lot of good creatures that are in blue, white, and uh green. There's a lot of good creatures that have entered the battlefield abilities, which is Another thing we'll talk about, that's kind of the name of the game in this format, you can just build a very powerful deck, and then Chilling even has an ability on him that lets you uh, bounce your creatures so you can get multiple triggers, so that's a very pro- powerful deck. If you just want to go and play threats and kind of just like mid-range the crap out of it, that's a good one to start with, especially if you only have like one mythic wildcard or something. Uh, another one that I want to talk about, because I, I love this guy when he was in Standard, was Corvald, uh, who is a five-mana Jund, which is a green, black, red. Dragon, when he enters, um, you sacrifice something, and then whenever he attacks, you sacrifice something, and whenever you sacrifice something, he gets a plus one, plus one counter, and you draw a card. So once again, good card draw, good uh, ability to turn through your deck, and he just gets massive, and if you want to be doing sacrifice things, which there are certainly payoffs for, you can make that happen. He was even better just a few months ago before rotation when there was things like uh, Cat Oven and Mayhem Devil and Priests of the Forgotten Gods in the format. So another another powerful deck. I mean, Cat bit. Cat Oven's still in the format. Did um, they get banned from Brawl? Yeah, you're right. Cat Cat got banned from Standard. Oh, oh, so okay, so you're you're approaching it from Standard. Yeah, so a, a lot of these effects well, it, that are banned
1: it, in Standard aren't in Brawl. Yeah,
0: there they're there. They're, I mean, I was approaching it just because I played a Jund, I played Jund Dragon in Standard, and then it also conveniently, was also just a pretty powerful Brawl deck. Yeah. So I kind of did that until most of those rotated and, out of standard. And
2: let's be honest, Cat Oven isn't nearly as threatening in, no, you know, Brawl, where you can only play one Cat and one Oven.
0: So <laughs> Yeah. That's true. That's, that's very true. Just like Lotus Cobra is not as threatening when you can only play one of them or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, any
1: sort of shenanigan like we see in EDH, you know, whenever a new card comes out that threatens to upend the format and everyone gets upset... Uh, At the end of the day, you're only playing one copy of it, and the chance of you drawing it is, you know, somewhat higher in Brawl because you're drawing a larger percentage of your deck. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's still much harder to kind of get into those loops that you see more frequently in Standard. So it's a, a safer haven for shenanigans.
0: Definitely. Um, are there any other decks that you guys wanted to discuss before we move on? I mean, I know there's a few here that we haven't hit on, but there's a
1: couple um, that of. I think would be good to mention. But so I guess you know there there's a few that we all grief on a lot of the time. Tulane um, being one of them, Kenrith, the returned king or whatever his title is, being another. And you know they're 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 ones that are. Uh, I like the way Julian described it earlier. Of they're just good they're not smart as in you can kind of just put them in charge of a, a, a large a mass of different stuff and at the end of the day you'll probably have a pretty solid deck and so while they are they are pretty good if you're just trying to get into the format and you want a a safe starting place where you can at least compete and then learn from there and what strategies you want to incorporate so i think um kenrith is another good option of a deck that i saw more of until recently uh, I haven't been seeing Kenrith, the Returned King, as frequently, but he is one of the only five-color legends currently available. So you can play anything you want, uh, meaning the mana base might be a little harder to put together, but it has activated abilities to give everyone haste and trample or put a 1-1 one, one counter on target creature, pay 3 mana, gain 5 life, uh, pay 4 mana, draw a card. You know, if, if you're looking for someone to just put in top of a stack of 59 and hope for the best... Kenrith is one of the best out there. I'd
2: like to say, just on the Kenrith note, uh, one of his really, I think, underrated powers is the life gain one, and maybe that's Mm. coming from a burn deck perspective. (laughs) Um, But especially when I've seen Kenrith paired with Zerda before, since the condition to have Zerda as your companion is basically just all your other cards need to have activated abilities. And having Kenrith and Zerda on the battlefield is probably one of the most embarrassing defeats i've ever been on the end of
1: oh yeah because makes everything cost two less right yes so game five life for
2: one white man <laughs> that's uh yep. that's a pretty good deal that's a bit.
1: <laughs> and um wow yeah it, it, that game was ugly but that's a nasty <laughs> combo <laughs> yeah no i i haven't seen that build i'm glad i haven't um but that sounds absolutely heinous
0: so We've talked a lot about the meta-, meta game. I think there's some legitimate decks that we didn't necessarily hit on, and we're going to hit on a few more when we talk about what we're playing exactly. But I, I think I do want to distill down just a few of the main points of what's good, what's not, what's to be looked out for. Playing generically good cards in kind of like a good stuff thing is a viable strategy. I think a lot of the ones that a lot of the commanders that have just enough colors to have good things like Tulane or Kenrith um, is a viable thing. I think a big proponent of that is enter the battlefield abilities. The words I think
2: you stole out of Chev's mouth is that planeswalker abilities are good. um, Or did I just do that? I don't know. Um, Planeswalker abilities are very good. We covered a couple really good ones. Ashiok. um, Narset is a very good one. And as well as the, it's not standard legal anymore, but I remember Nyssa, big Nyssa being very good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, new new Golgari Nissa is... Uh, Still pretty powerful. Re- I, th- I think reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen a bunch of her, but when I have, she has done some damage.
2: Yeah, so pretty much anything that can just provide uh, really consistent value. For me, one of the staples that comes to mind are the really good sagas, like Eldest Reborn, um, QR Best of sea God, and of course, Elsmith Conquers Death, all able to pro- provide three turns of Headache's for your opponent, mm-hmm.
1: um, I would I would definitely say having a couple of mana rocks, um, things that you know carry over from an EDH way of thinking. But if you're coming over, like, uh, say say you're one of the new guard of Magic players who joined when Arena became popular, and you've only really been exposed to the the challenges that they sometimes run in Standard. If you're coming from that environment, cards that you might not think of, um, but are are really good to just have a couple are these three mana tap to add one mana your mana pool kind of things you see a couple of them in most decks i think green can get away without them uh but with arcane signet being a, a tap rock for two and then a couple other conditional ones for three uh one we'll go into a little bit later is one of my favorites is midnight clock uh super good in any blue deck just giving you value uh or there's the one that's three mana tap to add a color that you chose when it entered and creatures of that color get plus one plus oh um, things like that, where you know, you're know you not really playing it for the effect, but just having a couple of those ways, uh, especially in colors that aren't green, to get a couple more mana on the board. Um, wh- if you're not coming from an EDH mind, EDH mindset, it's something that takes a little bit before you think of.
0: I think the last thing I want to say is that basically all commanders and basically all styles of play, other than combo, I think, are legitimate ways to participate in the format. I don't think that there's any certain play style, or really any commander that is completely shut out of the format is unplayable. Would you generally agree with that? Chev, I know I know you want to disagree, but... <laughs> I, I would say
1: that uh, most things are worth a shot. I've been playing Brawl for probably the last seven months or so, pretty consistently, and there's certain commanders that I, I have decks for. I had a Kinin deck for a while, but I haven't updated it since rotation. I have a Rada deck that I play, I'm trying out a few new decks, and... Y- like Julian has brought up, there's the idea that I could play, you know, any legendary that exists and the format isn't too solved. And I've tried taking out a couple of them a few times, building a generic good stuff shell, trying to do things that highlight their abilities a little bit. Some of the decks we, we put into articles like Veto, uh, that was a pretty good one, and a couple others. But sometimes there's definitely a feeling of this commander doesn't seem to be doing what I want it to do, even after a certain number of games. So I, I would I would... Say, you know, start with what you really want to do, uh, but if you get a little bit frustrated from it not performing the way that you expect it to, maybe from coming from EDH or just having high expectations, take a step back and maybe try one of the uh, just generic better commanders first and see if it feels any different. Uh, And if it does, then you can kind of gauge there might be a difference in your commander or if it was just a few bad games. But I, I would say that there is certainly a difference between like Maybe we're talking Tier 1 and 2 sort of stuff, and others are Tier 3 or 4, but I've definitely had a lot of start on the ladder with a new commander, get hype about a new deck, get smashed repeatedly, burn the deck.
0: <laughs> That's fair enough.
2: I th- I think, to some extent, what Julian said is true. It- it's very flexible. Like, there's definitely a Tier 1, and there's definitely a Tier Z, you know. <laughs> um, but the-, the middle class is very large, I'd say, uh, of the
1: format. So, I'd say... Pick, pick your favorite and uh, give it a shot. And, and without sounding too much like the Pessimist, because I know that's how I've come off so far, there was talk for a while, and I think it's slowly being uh, implemented, of Wizards not really having a... You know, if you're playing Standard or Draft, you have the little indicator in the bottom of rank that goes up from bronze, silver, gold, whatever's after gold.
0: You're talking the ladder. The ladder. John. The ladder.
1: Yeah, the ladder. And they don't have that, but... If you're playing the commanders that are seen or understood to be a little bit more powerful, you're more likely going to play against those commanders. Uh, And if you're playing a commander that's less powerful, you'll end up playing against decks that are less powerful. I I believe that was the concept. I have definitely not felt that (laughs) right now as I bring out uh, Jank Knights and then I'm immediately hit with like two Kinnons, a Torbran, and something else. Um, But I know that's something they're going towards and trying to implement a little bit more. So you can feel not necessarily safer, but you're more likely to play on a level that you want to play, uh, whether it be Jank or the more competitive sort of Brawl Commanders that we've highlighted.
0: Yeah, I know that's something they're working towards. I've actually sort of noticed Mm. it, but, you know, then sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I haven't played this deck in a bit and I'll play it. And then they'll be like, here, do you want three Kenriths in a row? (laughs) Um, You know.
2: Well, my favorite deck, probably, of course, you know, if, if you listen to uh, last week's podcast, you probably anticipate this. I've already mentioned it before. Uh, would have to be Torbran. Red. I think, is just really fun, even if some people might argue it's a brainless deck. Um, you do a lot of math. I'll say that. A lot of discrete math. <laughs> um, Really what sets it apart for me, though, is that in a format with a commander, there are Very few, to say the least. There's EDH, there's Brawl, and then there's Oathbreaker. Uh, But in most of those, there isn't really a viable aggro strategy. Uh, And I think in this way, Torbrand sort of breaks the mold for...
0: Well, yeah, he breaks the mold. (laughs) I agree with you a lot, because I actually... You told me about your Torbrand deck initially. I mean, this was probably six months ago now. I built a Torbran deck and that I've been tweaking it and I I really love the deck too. And um, I would actually sort of disagree with you that I think things like Torbran and another deck that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, um, these sort of aggro decks, I feel like they're actually the, the hardest decks to play in the format because, you know, you play against a lot of things like Gruul or Golgari, they're kind of just playing good cards, they have ramp, you know, whatever, they're just playing Mythic Rares. But I think that for things like Torbran, especially, because he has such an immediate effect on the game there's some really complex lines of play in terms of, like you said, like, yeah. So if I have this thing out and then potentially I have another thing that has haste or whatever. So now I can play Torbrand, brand, but I know it's going to get removed immediately. So I need to like, play him but then still have mana open for a burn spell and all this stuff to make sure that you have the right math and then if you're like me and you add fire emancipation um, I never understand how that works because layers does it is it is it plus two and then tripled is it tripled and then plus two is it some other weird math formula? I don't know but I feel like there's a lot of really cool lines of play that come from that um, are there any specific cards that you have found that's like kind of secret tech or any personal favorites in Torbrand? because I know I have a couple
2: well, um, a pet card of mine is Iron Crag Feet. Um, I think that deck is just fun. Oh, yeah? I love I love cards that are only that are good and only good in mono red decks. And of course, <laughs> geez, I guess this isn't really a pet card, but um, Six mana Chandra is quite good. Uh, unfortunately, Torbrand doesn't stack up her uh, emblem effect. Uh, but, you know, I guess we can't have all the things we like. And then, finally, I'd say uh, Sundering Stroke is a great one, especially coming right off an Ironcrag feet. You almost always cast that with just straight-up 7 red mana, so you're able to hit 3 targets for 7 damage each, which is usually just kill 2 creatures and burn your opponent for 7. And if they're not dead by then, they will be soon.
0: That's pretty sick. Um, uh, you talked about 6-mana Chandra. I actually love 5-mana Chandra who uh, she does get stacked up because her plus one is two damage to any creature. But with Torbren, that's four. That's um, actually any target, I should say. So a lot of times I'm just picking off creatures and then she starts with four or five loyalties so she, loyalty. So she goes up pretty quick and you can start taking out creatures. So she's, she's a great call. You mentioned this earlier. I'm also a big fan of the pingers. So I have a, my personal favorite is Chandra's magma um, because that can go to the opponent's face, but it also can hit planeswalkers. So if you're playing against if they just have a random planeswalker, but also if you're playing against things like Narset or uh, Nissa or these other planeswalkers that we talked about, it's nice to be able to kind of at least ping those down, if not get them out of the way. And then one other card that I really love that I think should just be seeing more play in general is Tectonic Giant. So this is a Theros Beyond Death uh, rare, two red and two for a three four, and then it says um, whenever it attacks or also gets targeted by a spell your opponents control. So even if they try to remove it. It either deals three damage to target opponent, so a lightning bolt to the face or a full five damage if you have Torbrand, um, or it exiles the top two cards of your library. You get to choose one and then you can play it until end of this turn or end of next turn, one of the two. But it's great card advantage if you need to kind of get ahead on that or other times you just play Torbrand and then attack and just dome them for five pretty freely, uh, which is nice too. So I think Tectonic Giant should be seeing uh more play in general but it's especially good in Torbran where you can really stack up that damage
2: definitely agreed I um when I used when Omnath uh three mana Omnath or sorry three color Omnath was in standard I had a deck with tectonic with him at the helm and tectonic giant in it and um that definitely put in work
0: I'm gonna keep going because this is my my second favorite deck right now or maybe even my first favorite deck right now is uh similar to Torbran in that it's a monocolor aggressive deck, and that's Heliod, Suncrowned. So Heliod, Suncrowned, uh, the newest iteration of Heliod from Theris Beyond Death, two and a white for a 5-5 five five. god. Um, it has the whole devotion thing where if your devotion is five or greater for white, he's a creature. And then you can pay one and a white to give another target creature lifelink, and whenever you gain life, you can put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature um, or enchantment so that it can hit him if he's not fully devoted. This is a really fun deck. Um, it's an aggro deck, but because it's focused on life gain, it can outbuffer an aggro deck. You know, um, there's been plenty of times when it's been like me versus a Torbrand deck, and I can outrace them because I'm gaining all the extra life. You know what I mean? And then with Heliod, and there's a bunch of different ways that you can just gain kind of incremental life. Um, you know, like one or two here, one or two there. Um, and you can like really buff up your creatures really big. So it's a pretty fun deck. And then Heliod turns on a lot quicker than you'd think. And he comes down early. So it's like turn five and you're swinging with a 7-7 a seven, seven Heliod. Pretty hard to deal with, especially for things that don't have like Oblivion Ring effects. And there's creatures like Daxos or um, somebody Orator. It's just a 2-2 two, two for 2. But they both say whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you gain one life. So, you know, God forbid you have anything that makes tokens. And you're just stacking up the 1-1 counters. You're getting real big, real quick. Um, plus, there's just a bunch of white creatures that have lifelink natively.
2: This is kind of an aside, uh, but since we're on the topic of, you know, uh, token decks and monocolored decks, I had a mono-blue Talrain deck for an historic brawl not too long ago that I just that has just sprung to mind. And I know you're generally the blue player if any of any of us, Um I believe I remember sending you a picture with uh, just like a ton of tokens on the battlefield and basically my whole deck in my hand. Oh yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: that was that was awesome.
0: That is uh real quick. That is a good point that we we are mostly talking about standard brawl, but uh, on arena they have enabled historic brawl, which is includes cards in the historic format, which is um some older sets that they've backfilled like Amonkhet and Kaladesh, and then also some. Handpick cards, and it also includes, yeah, just some random legends from, like, the anthologies or from Jumpstart, so there is some cool stuff that you can do in Historic Brawl, but we mainly play, uh, Standard Brawl. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Chev's internet has fully died. He's been trying to, uh, rejoin the cast for about the last 10 minutes, and, uh, doesn't look like it's working, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna continue on, and maybe we'll, uh, Speak for Chab, I guess. We have his notes right here. This
2: is now just uh, Julian and Oak having a conversation about Brawl, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, just the boys, just the boys. Yeah. Um, where were we? What do, you, what do you want to hit on now? Um.
2: So, the next one I'll hit on just briefly because uh, I have a much more lengthy textual form uh, speaking about this commander. Oh, yeah. But Athreos, I made an article about uh, a while back. It was a... Plus 40 series is a very fun deck to play in Brawl. It is a bit grindy and uh, you have to be a little bit of a jerk because you will be stealing and killing a lot of your opponent's creatures. And unfortunately, Brawl being a 1v1 format, you don't really get to see the full strength of all the board wipes you run. Uh, So if you like this deck, hopefully you have a, you know, one of those uh, daily challenges where you need to play 30 black or white spells uh, and you could probably get that in a single game that's all i'll say about that if you want to hear more about athrios uh, definitely check out that article uh, and written by yours truly
0: that is a good article you should check it out um i guess another another shameless plug we do actually have a good amount of brawl content on the site so check it out we hope to be doing more i don't see Athreos that often but the few times that i have seen him he wrecks me (laughs) it's disgusting yep like uh he's a sleeper for sure yeah He's he's a uh, he's pretty cool. And I think I think the reason a lot of people forget about him is he was the buy a box promo or something like that. Mm. Um, he wasn't in the actual set, so but you can you can get him and he is powerful. Yep. Um, you know, or you could play him in another deck that I guess has all those colors. And I guess maybe you'd play him in Alayla because he's an enchantment technically. Right. So. I think the last deck that I just want to mention personally before we talk about some uh, some underrated cards, some uh, heavy hitters, and then uh, get into our wrap-up. Uh, another personal deck is Verizal, the Split Current, which is the Simic deck from Zendikar Rising. He's the, the kicker one. He's like the big snake. Um, for those who have been listening since the olden times, a.k.a. the Brew Crew, they might remember that I kind of gave this guy a hard time, but I tried him out, and I, I think he, he's actually... Pretty cool to build around. I don't think he's been doing as well as he was when Xenic Rising first came out, but he's pretty cool to build around. There's some pretty cool cards that you can play as kicker. Uh, Bubble Snare is just like a really good sort of removal spell. Gnarled Colony, which is like the 4 4 with trample that gives your other dudes with plus 1 plus 1 counters trample, which Varizal, of course, has. You know, obviously copying all these spells is great. The, the best card in that deck is Inscription of Abundance which is a modal spell and then if you kick it you get all three instead of just one of the three Uh, you put two counters on something you gain life equal to the greatest power among creatures you control and then creature you have fights one of theirs so you know if you play that on verizal you put counters on him gain a bunch of life fight something and then you can copy it by removing two counters. So. He basically just makes those counters back, gain a bunch more life, kill another thing. It's it's a blowout. That's like definitely the best card in the whole deck.
2: There is actually just one more deck I would like to go over to and it's actually possibly my favorite deck that I've built. Uh, more than sound foreground? very strange because it's three colors. Black, blue, and green, none of which are say, red. No, you you no may red have noticed. And it is a deck held by Brockos, the Broccoli Rhino, <laughs> as I like to call him. Uh... It is a good stuff deck, and Broncos is definitely not a build-around commander, but it is a commander that I opened just randomly, I think, in a pack, and who I'd seen before in sort of the lore of Ikoria and thought he was really, really cool, because he's sort of like this elemental spirit that, like, perennially manifests himself in, um... Oh, anyways, I... I like him thematically, and so I stuck him at the helm of a deck, uh, where I essentially just pulled all of the best rares and mythics, uh, one of's that I owned, uh, in those three colors. And the deck is just a blast to play, because it's a bunch of really powerful, cool cards, and even though it doesn't necessarily put up the best numbers, it's really just interesting for me to play, and I think the best Magic has always played when you're playing a something you enjoy like thematically within the the realm of magic as well as how it plays.
0: Yeah. Do you play the um the Sultai Ultimatum for my Corey in that deck? Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, let me
2: tell you, uh, <laughs> that that is easily one of my favorite spells to cast when I'm playing that deck. Um, my three favorite targets are, now of course, this is assuming I haven't drawn any of them yet, which happens, but, um, I love to hit Big Lily, or the six mana, uh, Dreadhorde General, Q-R-Best of Sea God, and the Great Henge all in one, so, um, and with, of course, with Emergent Ultimatum, the opponent has to pick one of them, and I just get to cast the other two for free. Uh, I mean, when I get to do that, it's just like, what can I say, it's just... Yeah,
0: that's the best, that's the best stuff. You know, I got to say, I got to I gotta go on a quick little tangent. Kiora Best of Seagod and also Ugin are two cards that I really hate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just wish they weren't in the format because I feel like basically whatever, especially Ugin, but Kiora, uh, Kiora Best of Seagod as well. I feel like basically whatever I'm playing that I'll be like playing a really good game and I'll maybe get my opponent down to pretty low life. Like I'll basically have the game locked up in the next turn or so and then they'll just be like oh i'm at eight mana here's ugin or here's Kiora, best to see god and then it's just like okay now all of a sudden i went from a completely commanding presence to you have this unkillable giant threat tap my stuff down and then steal something or you just play ugin and you just completely wipe my board and now all that progress that i made is gone and you have this basically unkillable planeswalker that just wins you the game i i really don't like how it's basically just like, have you passed go? Did you collect $200? Great, you win the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> so as much as I respect that those cards are powerful and I like to play them in regular EDH, I just feel like in this format, every time I see them, I'm like, ugh, why? Stop. Oh, <laughs> um, well,
2: hey, man. If, if you know, I ever get the chance to do this uh, cast emergent ultimatum against you, you can always pick Kiora, Best of Sea God, as the one I can't cast. And then I just get your favorite card, Great Henge, right? You know, I mean... I you love that card, don't you?
0: (laughs) Great Henge is is interesting. All right, it's still super (laughs) annoying though, but mostly because I see it in standard all the time, and it's super (laughs) annoying in standard. But that's a that's a topic for a different day. All right, those cards I think are overplayed. What what are some underplayed cards? What are some cards we want to show some love? Because like we said, there's a lot of cards that you can play to great effect in this format.
2: So yeah, I think um you mentioned this. Uh, a while back, but O-Ring type effects, I think, are really good for locking down people's commanders. Some of them are really versatile. They let you hit multiple different kinds of permanents, like, of course, the original O-Ring. Uh, and then, of course, you got stuff like Prison Realm, which is just like, okay, kill a creatures, cry one. Not bad. But, yeah, I, I talk about this a lot in the... Uh, Athreos article, but O-Ring effects, I think, are especially powerful in Brawl, and maybe not as much of an extent in EDH, uh, just because an O-Ring hitting uh, someone's commander, which they will very often be playing, is about as good as, you know, a Path to Exile. It's just, uh, it's going to send them back to the command zone almost every time, because no one, unless they're just running a ton of enchantment removal in their deck and they already have it, or they know they're going to draw some soon or no one's going to want their commander under that O ring. Cause even if you have the removal, you know, it could always get countered or uh, something bad can happen. So most people just don't go for that option.
0: I feel that. I think a few of the underrated things are, you know, a lot of people are playing green cause they have access to like cultivate and migration path. And of course, and those are good cards, but I think for um, even some of those decks and also a lot of the monocolor decks, so the decks that aren't playing green, I think uh, there's some really good mana rocks in the format. Chev was talking about arcane signet earlier. Um, He's talking about Midnight Clock, which people just kind of think of the whole like, oh, you get to 12 and then it strikes and then you do like the whole what the heck is the power nine card time time (laughs) twister time twister effect. But it also just taps for blue. People just forget about that. Um, I'm really big on Skyclave Relic, which is a rare, but I feel like I opened like three of these in like my first 10 uh, Zendikar Rising packs, So I don't think they should be too hard to get. Indestructible taps for one of any mana um it costs three mana but you can kick it for an additional three and get three of them so in the late game it's pretty powerful um or if you're running the kicker uh guy like i was um so that's really good there's also heraldic banner once again three mana mana rock that you name a color when it comes down and then creatures you control get plus one plus O if they're that color so that's really good for things like torbrand or heliod like i was saying i mentioned tectonic giant i'm a big fan of that guy uh, another one that I think is really great just because I've been absolutely shredding people with it in my Heliad deck is Maul of the Skyclaves. So this is a new one of the rare equipments from Zendikar Rising, two and a white. Um, when it enters, you automatically attach it to a creature you control. So it's kind of like a free attachment, which is nice because the equip cost is two white white or something like that. So it's a little prohibitive once it gets off. But, you know, if you can put it on somebody who's already beefy, um, it gives it flying plus two plus two and first strike so you know i have heliot out he's a seven seven already i bought that on him he now is a flying first striking nine nine uh you know i don't really need another turn for <laughs> that uh, so i think maul of the skyclaves definitely deserves a, a little bit more love um
2: just a general observation i had i feel like we actually listed off a lot of good um spells in white for that like maul of the skyclaves o-ring effects and then like elspeth conquers death i know is a, is a very good spell but gotta give props to the to that, I guess at least for um, having some having some good white cards in the format, because they're it's, overall and throughout Magic's history, it's probably the least powerful. Yeah,
0: color. I would say there's there's a lot of good, a lot of reasonable white cards now in Standard. I I think they're not as good in the format standard in general, but I I think that a lot of them transfer into Brawl quite quite nicely. I mean, even things like Glass Casket and Banishing Light are much more reasonable in Brawl than they would be Standard over the past. Even now, especially, but especially over the past year. Uh, And like you said, Elspeth Conqueror's Death is very powerful. The last one that uh, Chev wanted to include, he's telling us, is uh, Kenris Transformation, probably because it just, that card is actually uh, very powerful because it basically just like nerfs. We've been talking about how important it is to have a commander who is, you know, affects the battlefield and how important it is for, you know, in terms of like synergy, having synergy with your commander in your deck is kind of the name of the game. And Kenris Transformation, one draws a card, which is just like insult to injury but all, it just completely like nerfs anything you're doing. It's just always the worst. There's a there's a card in blue too that does a similar thing. It, it like gives them like minus two, minus O and they lose all abilities or something. I think it even has flash because I feel like I, I was queuing up like a lethal Torbrand attack and like I declared attackers and then they were like, boom, Torbrand is now neutered and now you don't do all this extra damage and I kill you next turn. And I was like, ah, geez, that's rough. Yeah. Oh no. But, yeah, I guess any, any way that you can put their commander out of commission, something like a, a pacifism effect, it, it can't attack or block, because then it's, like, so much harder for them to get get it into the command zone to replay it, and it's not doing that extra stuff that, you know, is, is problematic for you.
2: You could definitely say spells like that are, like, the the EDH, or the Brawl equivalent of the EDH, like, uh, Lignify, and not quite as good as, like, Song of the Dryads, but, you know, it's a similar example. Similar yeah, uh.
0: yeah. Well we've been talking for a long time let's let's wrap this bad boy up i think we've hit a lot of the key points i think the last thing is just why 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 brawl why do we like brawl why do we keep rebooting up magic arena you know why this over x y or z
2: i'll just start with a classic i mean a classic tale i'm sure a lot of people feel this way but whenever you know i I always try to keep up with standard spoilers as i'm sure a lot of people do and In Standard, especially recently, Wizards has been catering to the sort of commander audience. They release a lot of legendaries that seem very clearly made for commander or brawl. Um, And I think brawl is a great way to test out commanders, give them a trial run, especially in an arena where you can, or where where essentially cost is not an object as long as you have a wild card, like regardless of, like you're not going to have to if you want to make Luris, you know, brawl deck, you don't have to pay the whatever the absurd price for it, I'm sure, is, or, like, Yorion, uh, stuff like that. Um, so I, I really like using brawl as a test run for commander decks. Uh, I think the, the best example of that would probably be three-color three Omnath, um, which I've gone on to uh, play in EDH and have a great time with. And beyond that, I think uh, this... This is really reflected in my... in what I was saying before about my Bracos deck, but just how easy it is to, um, put a deck together with just, like, one of you might grab from random packs if you, like... if Brawl isn't, like, your main thing, if you, like, to limited or standard. Um, it doesn't really matter. You can just, like, open a bunch of packs, get a bunch of cards, pick a legendary out of them, maybe throw some rares in. You know, you gotta have a good... you gotta have a one of them, uh, at least a few good cards. <laughs> so, um... It's it's just easy throw, it's just easy to throw decks together, um, and it's it's not nearly as competitive uh, as I was mentioning. I think uh, there's a very wide middle mid tier area which a lot of people uh, or a lot of commanders and decks will fall into. So it's you know it's it's wild wild west. Just you can just get out there with anything and and have a good time.
0: I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I think I have probably six or seven different Brawl decks actually made up on Arena. Um, Some of them are much better than others, but they're all fun to play. Um, And I I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I play them pretty consistently. I think, like you were saying, the other thing is just it's so accessible. It's such an accessible format. And if you... Like Commander or things in that vein, which you probably should, since it's most of what we talk about on this podcast uh, and most of what what we are enthused about. <laughs> it's just another way to experience that. And now more than ever, given the state of the world and the fact that getting together and playing paper magic is either not a thing or very much less a thing than it has been. You know, just being able to open your computer and uh, jam a couple games of brawl uh, is a really nice option. Yes, you don't get that as much of that interaction or that four player sort of chaos that you might get for a normal thing. But if you like the sort of singleton brewing and then also brewing around a legendary creature, a planeswalker um, it's just as much present in brawl as it is in commander. And the other thing is that a brawl game might take anywhere between five to 30 minutes, whereas a commander game might take two hours. So it's just, once again, it's nice to have access to that and just kind of be able to do whatever you want. And since it is so, cost-effective and easy to get into, um, I think it's just a great option, um, especially for people who maybe don't want to play Standard or who want another thing to do on Arena. Brawl is a lot, a lot of fun. We give it the official endorsement.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure Chev would too.
0: Yep. If he yep. was here. Yep. <laughs> and I think Eric would as well, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. <That bum. laughs> yeah, probably. Well, no, there's no combo
2: in uh, Brawl, so... Guess yeah, not. but you can play, uh, you can play, you can play <laughs> oh. like,
0: you know, green, white or green, red, just beat faces in, you know what I mean? Oh, Eric's true. not always a CEDH player. Right, 1-1 one, one counters. 1-1 yeah, one, one counters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh,
2: you, you know what a deck I think would be really, really cool to make is, um, oh, jeez, uh, the boar, the green, white boar. You, you Dude, I've like seen, lawn, right? I've seen him, so. <laughs> I hate boars.
0: I think I'm going to keep this all in. Tangent, right before we end the thing, uh, the green, white boar, um. He's, I think, a really good entry point because there's just, once again, there's a lot of just random good green cards, and there's plenty of just like good white cards. You just kind of play those, and then when he enters, right, he gets you two more lands. You can play just like all basics, and he just immediately like pays for his commander tax. Like you never will not be able to play him. You know what I mean? And plus, he's just like a four-four that just is good. Plus, he randomly shuts yeah, down some strategies. I, this is this is if you
2: ask me, this is green. Green magic done right, it's just you know you get some lands in your hand. You'll make you'll make your land drops. You won't you won't ram. Yeah, but exactly. You, know, you don't need to. so.
0: Yeah, I actually That's I fair. actually like the uh, <laughs> fair I actually magic. like the boar. Yeah. So wow, we have been talking a long time. Um, <laughs> remember that you can find the Hacks Trigger's podcast on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever else better podcasts are found. If it is not on your podcast streaming service of choice, please email us at hexdrinkers at gmail.com and we'll get it up there as soon as possible. Or if you just have anything else that you might want to say to us, um, check out our website, hexdrinkers.com. Check out our articles. We have a lot of stuff about brawl, especially some older stuff. We're going to be updating that with newer stuff in the future. Um, You can also find this future and previous podcasts uh, on there, as well as videos. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at hexdrinkers Uh, get updates Hot takes, uh, talk smack to Chev, um, all that sort of good stuff. Follow us on Twitch and on YouTube at Hex Drinkers. Have you noticed it's all at Hex? <laughs> it's all the same. Um, yeah, check out the stream. Uh, Eric streams uh, EDH usually on MTGO, sometimes CEDH. Uh, I actually want to start streaming some brawl. Um, And I think that Chev and Oak might be doing a little bit of streaming as well. So if you like this episode, check us out there. Uh, We'll be doing some more content. My voice is getting hoarse. I need a drink of water. So for uh, Jules, for Oak, for our fallen brother Chev, and for Eric who had to work early in the morning, uh, this is the Hex Drinkers and we are signing out.